0: Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Bengal Tiger podcast, this time the transfer edition. I'm Billy Umbadi, Matthew Bruni, Shay Dixon, all are here today. Um, We've got a lot to talk about. It's been kind of a newsy week on the transfer portal front for LSU. There's been some guys leaving. That makes 11 Tigers, not counting Antoine Sampa uh, in the portal. Uh, And I probably forgot the other one who wasn't on the team, Philip Webb. But uh, there are also official visitors set to hit campus as well, not only from the high school ranks but also the transfer front as well. Let's jump right in with the departures, guys, and and we're going to lead off with the first one because it's probably the most surprising out of the group, I would say, especially with where this position stands. Yesterday, shortly after LSU did land four-star defensive back J.V. and Toviano, LSU lost a corner to the portal. Jalen Davis Robinson, a guy out of Waxahachie, Texas in the class of 2022 that I was very high on, uh, certainly had the speed to play at the SEC and had just gotten a lot of praise from Brian Kelly going into this bowl season. But after uh, this season, he decided he's going to go elsewhere uh, and take his talents on to the next school. So initial reaction to that, guys, I was a little surprised he didn't wait until after the bowl game because he could have done it later on in the window as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's the whole thing is he could have done it later in the window. Um, and you mentioned the cornerback depth, especially with Radarius gone, Demarius gone, um, obviously Makai Gardner gone, Colby Richardson gone. You go down the list of all the players that will not be on the team next year. And so you're really just there with seven banks and LaTerrence Welsh Welsh uh, as his competition. And then obviously you get uh, you have. Jalen Austin committed, uh, obviously not signed until February, and then Javion Tov- Toviano commits. So, you know, you're going to have additions, which we already knew, but if you're Jalen Davis Robinson, the prospect of being at LSU with such a short depth chart at the moment, and even if they bring in freshmen, even if they bring in some transfers, you're still in a position to where you've proven yourself. I thought he had a really good fall camp, and I we heard he had a very good fall camp as well. And then, you know, like you said, Brian Kelly was talking about him just – a couple of weeks ago so it is a little um, perplexing that he doesn't try to take advantage of this one more year uh, or at least one more year at LSU to see what happens because the room is just so shallow at this moment but as we know that will change in in the coming weeks and months
2: yeah look I talked to I'm with Matthew in the sense that they only have two guys back seven banks and Latarence Welsh and banks has been injured back-to-back seasons with season ending injuries at Ohio State and LSU, you don't have any depth. Not not only depth, you don't have enough for starters right now. So between the portal, between high school signees, I'd said this a year ago, especially when they approach the cornerback room by taking all those grad transfers that Matthew mentioned to start off, it's a multi-year rebuild. As for Davis Robinson, this is a surprise. I talked to someone on Friday morning, and let me quell this too. When you enter the portal and then it goes to compliance and then it actually shows up in the portal. Coaches have told me it's taken between about one to two days. So he had nothing. Toviano had nothing to do with this. LSU was surprised in the sense that they thought that he actually, like Matthew said, had some real promise and Billy mentioned his track stuff. There's some people who are kind of wondering if he, maybe wants to go somewhere and run track and play football. And I just think the commitment from what I've heard, just the commitment to being at LSU and in the football program and at that level is so high that it's just not for everybody. And I won't be surprised if he goes else and tries to then do football and track. Um, Look, he was in the 10 fives or even maybe cracked below that in the hundred as a high school guy coming out of Waxahashi. So Really talented player. Ellis 100% did not force him out. It was he wanted to go play somewhere else. And, again, I wouldn't be surprised if track becomes um, kind of put onto his plate at the next stop.
0: Yeah, I, I think – it's tough when you see somebody who they pushed for heavily at the end of that 2022 cycle, won a really tough recruiting battle with Oregon in the mix mm-hmm. as well there. Um, and to see him go elsewhere after one year is kind of tough, but you know, like you said, Shay, it's not for everyone. And that's why the portal works out in some cases. I think he's somebody that's going to end up at another power five. I, I don't think he's somebody that is going to have to drop down a level if he doesn't want to. Um, and he's going to have options. So I always enjoyed Jalen Davis Robinson covering him. He, right before he went to LSU, I hadn't seen him since the signing day. I mean, he bulked up in a big way. It looked like he was probably going to be a safety type uh, for LSU with how big he had gotten. So uh, his career ends pretty quickly, but uh, LSU is stocking up on corners. Javion Toviano commits this week, which was huge. They have Jeremiah Hughes committed and he's set to sign. They also have Jalen Austin, who they're trying to hang on to. They have Desmond Ricks coming in this weekend. We'll talk about another name on the transfer front uh, that LSU is going after heavily now. Let's move on to the offensive line, a position that I think we're seeing the churn of some of the bottom half of that group now realize they've gotten overtaken. uh, They need a fresh start, time to go elsewhere. They've given it their all for LSU. Xavier Hill and Marcus Jumerville. Uh, Two guys, again, that we were high on coming out of high school. Um, I remember going to see Marcus Dumerville play alongside Marlon Martinez on that offensive line. It was interesting. That game, uh, Marcus Dumerville actually got pulled um, because he had had about three holding uh, calls in a row. Maybe that was a red flag that we should have taken a little bit of notice to. But um, he was somebody that had a lot of the measurables you would have liked. Uh, in a tackle had a really good performance at the opening finals as well Uh, and overall his senior tape was pretty good but uh, Xavier Hill was probably that kind of underrated gem of that class and it just didn't work out for either one I'd heard that you know Xavier Hill the first thing he did was he got in trouble when Brian Kelly got hired and and during that bowl game he didn't play that bowl game um, got got in trouble with some off the field stuff and that's not a good first impression and he kind of was in the doghouse ever since so uh, both of these guys are moving on as well.
2: Uh, yeah, and Hill was banged up. Some that's this what I was going to say. Early so, in the year he was. I would put for me of the eleven transfers that have gone in, Jalen Davis Robinson surprised me the most above Jack Besh. Like I really thought that he was someone that would stick around and actually play. Hill and Marlon Martinez, in my opinion, who's not in the portal, are LSU's. Were LSU's most talented. Were are. Uh, most talented offensive linemen that weren't starting or the six man. So like when everyone was healthy, they got to a point where they had five starters and then Garrett Dellinger. And when they were working Garrett Dellinger in, maybe Bradford comes out. Um, Miles Frazier sort of went start to finish for him, but we didn't even see like Tremont shorts playing who they brought in as a transfer with a ton of experience. So as you noted, Billy, this, Back half the O-line rooms got some talent and got some experience in it too, with guys like Martinez and Hill, uh, Doomerville, obviously not as experienced as those guys, but Cam Wires started a lot of games. The reality was if all five starters and your six man are coming back and you're bringing in guys like DJ Chester and Zalons Hurd and Tyree Adams and Mabenga, you just don't know where you fit in. And for me, The O-line makes perfect sense. It's natural attrition. Those guys can now go elsewhere. They can play. I thought, I'm not surprised Hill left, but remember Hill was a Bama commit and they wanted him. And LSU got him in the end and flipped him and brought him in out of Mississippi, which is tough to do. So I won't be surprised if Hill goes to an SEC school and starts. He's a good player. They just, it's a good problem to have. You've got a lot of guys who are good enough to play.
1: And yeah, we talked about it it's a, it's a young offensive line too, right? You have the two freshmen and Jones and Campbell and Jones can bump inside if you need him to, you mentioned all the freshmen that are coming in that are capable players that could play very early. Dellinger uh, is a sophomore that was a sophomore this year. And he's, you know, presumably going to start. And even uh, what Bradford was year three, I believe. Uh, So, you know, you have those guys, Miles Frazier was also a second year uh, guy, I believe. And so, yeah, it's just a young offensive line, and when that's the case and you're an upperclassman and or even a third-year guy and you are you don't have prospects of starting in the coming years, I think this makes sense. And so, yeah, that that's – I think you summed up well,
0: Another one that uh, entered the portal, and after uh, his late-season appearance at running back, some people thought maybe he'd stick around. But, look, the writing was on the wall with Derek Davis uh, Jr. entering the portal, a safety that – really never panned out from the get-go. And again, I think a red flag there was, I think they tried him at running back right when he got uh, to LSU in that spring um, under Ed Ogeron. He played a little running back. He ripped off a big run. And I think that was kind of a sign that maybe safety isn't uh, going to work out here. Another one that probably could have even put on weight and potentially played linebacker if he had decided to really go after that hard. But again, kind of one of those evals that did not pan out at all. Um, and so he's looking for a new start
1: uh, to his career as well. Did did this surprise either of you? One of y'all? I mean, obviously the twenty twenty one class. Uh, I wasn't as involved in that one, but um, I mean, comes coming in as a what top one hundred player. I mean, what 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 did y'all see there?
2: I mean, yeah, he I, was I, a really good running back in high school. He had yeah. run for a lot. I was, and they so beat out State, which was a big deal. Yeah, I just think he was a good athlete. I'm a little surprised he didn't stick it out longer, but maybe he knew the writing was on the wall. at safety. Uh, we don't know the inner workings there. You just look at the room. It's not very deep. So, and langwa has been injured. You just didn't know what the safety room would look like. You would hope that he would have stick around, but clearly he knew something that we don't about where his playing time was going or where it potentially could go or where they wanted him to be. Um, I won't be surprised if he goes back to the Northwest and that's, you know, that happens when you recruit kids from Pennsylvania and they're not playing, you know, early on in their careers.
1: Yeah. I mean, you mentioned that the – because the safety room is not too far behind the cornerback room in terms of uh, depth If with uh, Fuchsia gone and um, Ward gone now. Uh, so – and langlaw has been in banged up. So, yeah, that's – a and Todd Harris. <laughs> so, yeah. It's, salute,
2: Todd uh, Harris. Salute, uh, Todd salute. Harris.
1: Salute, always. But um, yeah, that, that's just an interesting thing I was looking at. And I was just like, I didn't obviously cover the recruitment as closely as y'all did. So I was curious.
2: Well, let me ask you all this before we move into these transfer portal targets. They have 11 guys in, 13 if you count Philip Webb and Sampa, who were not even on roster. They went in before the season. Who do y'all think was the most surprising? Or let me phrase this, which stings the most in terms of the roster?
0: I'll, I'll go with Jalen Davis Robinson. Last week, I think we kind of talked about this in a similar way, and I said Cole Taylor. Um, yeah. I think it might have been biggest loss is what the question was. But this week, I, I'm going to go with Jalen Davis Robinson. I mean, again, somebody who you have the physical traits, you're getting praise, so it's not like you weren't going to get an opportunity. Now, would your opportunity change next year if they do land uh, Desmond Ricks, for example, if they do land at the transfer? We're going to discuss in a bit. Yes, absolutely. But in the same token, there are so many ways you can find yourself on the field as a corner, and we've seen injuries. We've seen things you know, stack up in that respect. And to not stick it out, I just think was just a little sh- short-sighted. You don't know all, this, all the things that are going on, and, and you don't know what their plan was for him in regards to the entire room as it would stack up, but just felt like you're getting all that praise – you must really want a fresh start and maybe a change of scenery. So uh, I would say in terms of the depth of the cornerback room, that was probably the biggest loss.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's probably, probably the right pick. I, I think if we keep going back to the Jack Besh one, I think it will be interesting to see, uh, and we'll talk about, you know, transfer targets uh, here's here in a bit, but, the receiver room is is going to be interesting to see how that they continue to build depth with that. Now they are adding four receivers in this class, so that's one way to naturally add it. But do they look to beef up the top end with Boutte and Neighbors in uh, over this offseason and Brian Thomas? Uh, do they look to add to that as well? I think that'll be interesting. But yeah, it's I'm just I'm just sitting here looking at the cornerback and. Defensive backs, just as a whole, like how many defensive backs they have on this team, and it's uh, not a lot, not a lot. So, yeah, I think Jalen Davis Robinson is probably the right pick there. Shay, any any thoughts? Who's your pick? No, I'm with y'all.
2: It's Davis Robinson for me. I just think that the corner, the corner room is just so shallow that that hike. And I know others went in, like Demarius McGee went in, Ray Darius Jones went in, but like Davis Robinson had so much eligibility in front of him. And the fact that he actually got like named out by Brian Kelly alongside Quincy Wiggins, they were like, we want to give yeah. guys like Quincy and Davis Robinson early run in bowl prep and give us a feel for what they've got, you know, next year and boom, he's gone. So that's where I'm, I'm settled in on.
1: I mean, cause I was higher on LaTerrence Walsh coming out of, high, out of high school, even though obviously the injuries and stuff, I mean, just from a talent perspective, I was like, LaTerrence Walsh, you get this guy going, it's great and then I was, we we always heard about Jalen Davis Robinson probably even more so uh, just out of fall camp and everything so that's where I was starting to get really excited for for Davis Robinson moving forward but um and then another guy um Jordan Allen who I didn't mention in that safety he's like a safety nickel type thing I know some people were like oh can he play corner he's more of a nickel uh, or safety for this team he worked with the nickels basically all year yeah I think Latarence Welsh not to like sidetrack into a roster
0: discussion in a way but physically you look at Terrence Welch and if he can really get back to where he was before those injuries I mean he has all the tools he, he looks like some of the great Louisiana defensive backs that have played for LSU physically and so I hope it works out for him I mean, just somebody that really ended up having to make a t- tough decision with the coaching change and you know they buckled down they got him on board and all of that but um, you know he is one that you really hope that he puts it together, just because if he works out and pans out, that will take off a lot of the pressure that'll be on these guys that'll be coming in the Desmond Ricks, if they get them, the J.V. and Tovianos, um, and then if they get uh, Denver Harris, which is who we're going to discuss next. Uh, Denver Harris, nice Texas transition. A&M transfer, the former Houston North Shore defensive back, the former five-star prospect. Shea Dixon, you had uh, just about as much scoop on this one as, as anyone out there. Set the stage for us with with Denver Harris and how it got to uh, this point.
2: Well, the Jordy Collada show probably is the, the, lead, uh, the, the lead torchbearer here on the Denver Harris front. Um, look, to put it as simply as possible, Harris was pushed out of Texas A&M. He played half a season. He was a midseason All American. The other half, he sat with a lot of other guys from that talented group uh, of, on the AM roster, who as many of are now headed elsewhere. And Brian Kelly's been very public about wanting to approach the transfer portal with caution by feeling out players who he says have traits and would fit into the locker room. So I think people would pause when they hear a name like Denver Harris considered. Things did not end well for him after one year uh, at a team in the SEC West that you're very familiar with. You're familiar with him. You recruited him heavily a year ago when he picked AM. and um, But he did come to Baton Rouge this week. He had a long sit down with Brian Kelly. He got to meet with a lot more of the staff. Um, we'll see if he makes some other visits. Obviously, there'll be more than just LSU. Uh, move forward with recruiting him. But I will say that I think that LSU's a team to beat. But as we talk about these transfer portal targets, him, especially him kind of being one that is a, uh, a hot topic for LSU fans to talk about. I don't expect any of them. Like I don't expect LSU to make any moves until signing day is over. You've recruited now for a whole year, this new staff, these high school guys. And that's where your focus is, is getting it to the finish line with the commitments, with your final targets here and guys like, Desmond Ricks and Isaac Smith and Camorian Pimpton. Once they get past next Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, then I expect the portal news in terms of guys being added and not just guys leaving to start to heat up. But I do like early on, it seems from everything I've heard that the meetings went well enough for them to move forward with conversations with Denver Harris.
1: I mean, it's such an interesting situation because like you said, I mean, this is uh, – when Brian Kelly got here, It's it was all, you know, 100% buy-in or get-out. And obviously, that's what it still is. But Denver Harris, with the way that things went at A&M and with the question marks that surround him, it's just – it really is going to put to the test, you know, what Brian Kelly – um can do what Brian Kelly, uh, what his standards are and how he's going to uphold them and how short of a leash Denver Harris could have. I, I that's, it's going to be a really interesting thing if it does work out, obviously they were, we're, you know, probably more than a week away from a decision or anything like that being made, but it would be a very, very interesting experiment that I'm fascinated to, to watch um, if it does end up happening, because talent wise, you know, Number three corner in in the class from the consensus number two from on three at uh it would be a massive massive get at a position of need if it if it does happen. Yeah, I agree. And I, look, I think I I think I interviewed
0: Denver Harris for the first time when he was a sophomore in high school, and obviously always uber talented um, was kind of hard to get as a recruit. Uh, you had to go and see him, but also just was. Was kind of a little bit. I would just say immature in high school. He had some. He had some hiccups. He got suspended during uh, his senior season at one point. Um, always kind of heard of like little tiffs with the coaching staff as far as why he wasn't playing in certain games. One of the games I went and saw him. He didn't end up playing for, you know, a coaching staff decision. So there are things that you go back to high school and then at Texas A and M when he was on his own really reared their ugly head and and that culture down there, you know, just needs an overhaul. I think everybody knows that. Um, and so it's not a good environment conducive to somebody growing necessarily. But if Brian Kelly sits down with them and this coaching staff sits down with them and feels like it's the, for the best that they take him and they push for him, then, I mean, I'm for second chances. You know, I, I think when you bring in somebody like Denver Harris, who's had some hiccups, you got to know, potentially what you're getting yourself into and how it could impact your locker room. And, you know, with Brian Kelly's culture that he's trying to build, you better be ready to, you know, swing the sword really, really quick. um, If he, if there is a mishap, even if it happens quite honestly in the spring, um, if he got here that quickly. So I think that's my thing about it is I'm not going to sit here and try to tell Brian Kelly how to run the program, but with somebody who has, at least red flags dating back to high school. You have to be really firm in in your approach in terms of how you deal with anything that might pop up, but hopefully he gets his head on straight and uh, is ready to go and embraces the second chance opportunity. And I think to play for a place that he really would have really enjoyed to play for right out of high school. I think he had a ton of interest in LSU, um, had some ties to the program obviously with, with tack, but um, ends up at Texas A&M and, I think that that season that LSU had and the coaching change really impacted um, him not going to LSU. I think there was a dark horse chance that he could have ended up at LSU um, during that. And so um, maybe maybe it's like maybe it's like Harold Perkins, but obviously Harold didn't go to Texas A&M. He committed there and then ends up where he ultimately wanted to be.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's just. It, it has been dating like this is now North Shore and A&M like, it's, you know, it's multiple types of things. So now the question becomes: is Brian Kelly in year two, has he already built a culture and foundation that is strong enough to withstand um, and ultimately change? Because that's what we're, you're trying to do here, right? You're not just trying to withstand this. You're trying to change him to a degree. Have Has this culture been built already fast enough to do that? And that would be very impressive if that is, if that is the case.
2: To Matthew's point, and this is revisionist history, so obviously I have no way to prove this, I do not think they would have taken Denver Harris a year ago.
1: Yeah, it makes sense.
2: Not like, well, they would have because he was a uh, high school senior at the time, but like someone in that situation coming off a team, being kicked off the team, I don't think they would have taken him.
1: Yeah, because I I mean,
2: they, they maybe they feel the locker room there. is in a more stable place.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I look, I think – I don't know I like you said it's revisionist history we're trying to guess something that that didn't ultimately happen Um, my point with where that was going at least before O was fired and before the season really tanked and all those things they were in a good spot to get him I think late it didn't necessarily they weren't in a position to to land him in in any way um, down the stretch and I think that's why you never really heard too much buzz about him um, with yeah. LSU either uh, during that time. So I think there were certain recruitments that Brian Kelly said, let's go, let's keep on keeping on here. I know, you know, you guys either on the staff or this or that have been recruiting him. Let's let's try to, you know, keep chipping away. And Harold Perkins was one, Jacoby Matthews, um, Javante Citizen. Those were some of the guys that they kind of kept pushing for on that front. And I would say Denver Harris wasn't one of them. Um, you and, know, and and
1: I, I
2: did. I don't necessarily mean they wouldn't have taken Denver. I just meant like, if there was another player out there last year that had been kicked off their team and missed half a season, I don't think they would have taken him in year one.
0: Oh, got it. Yes, I, I agree. I agree, and I and I think there's there's two ways to kind of like talk about it, right? Like, and Matthew said, you know, the culture can it withstand it? You don't necessarily want the culture to have to withstand Denver Harris as a unchanged person you want him to obviously buy into that culture and the culture is strong enough that he will want to buy into it that would be the approach and last year probably wasn't because everybody was learning everybody had the time would have would have had the time to say hey this is how we do things here because nobody knew, nobody (laughs) knew the expectations now it's just such a different place um i think for the culture long term and that's why i mentioned you know Being really firm with Denver if he got if he gets to LSU um, is key because you don't want to create a
1: crack in that culture if you treat him differently um, in that sense, which I don't think they'll do. Yeah, probably best case scenario that it didn't he didn't come here year one and it year two is obviously a lot would be a lot better of a situation to step into for him.
2: All right, bring it back to should we bring it back to the boot the uh, the best Louisiana player in the portal left Alabama after a year, Aaron Anderson
0: thoughts. Yeah, I think, um, this goes back to, I think Shay, you and I talked about it in a way last week when we discussed Xavion Thomas and, and, and Maddie B, you know, this is one of those players that this is why you're patient. This is why Mm -hmm. you're you last year was kind of different, right? There was no window. They had guys that entered the portal um, from other schools, and you could tell right away, they had interest in coming back home, helping change this culture, helping take over with Brian Kelly. This year it's different because there's this window and you can impact your roster by who you take if you jump, you know, jump one way, right away. Um, and I think with where the roster is, you don't want someone that's necessarily saying, hey, I'm in the portal now. I'm a Louisiana native. You got to take me. You got to take me. I transferred to go to LSU. I entered the portal to go to LSU, which I think to an extent, that's kind of where Xavion um, is. And in the same token, Aaron Anderson is somebody who waited a little bit longer, probably talking things through with the staff at Alabama, enters the portal. LSU's in a spot where now they can say, you know what? All right, we've seen what the portal's given over the first while we're on day 11 now of the portal, I believe they know what's probably going to come in or go out. Um, and they can say, you know what, we know Aaron, Aaron, Aaron Anderson, Frank, Frank Wilson has a relationship, um, with him. and, And that dates back a long time. He tried when he was a recruit to get him back on board. That was one that I think Frank tried to work. Um, you know, when he got rehired at LSU, but it was just too late and he was headed off to Alabama. I think this is a Prime example of somebody that, you know, can return home to the place. Honestly, he really wanted to go. Um, and I, I think if a Bama fan watches, they're, they're going to flame me for it. But he was committed to LSU for a long time and stuck it out for a long time. And once Ed Ogeron got, got fired, he said, you know what, I'm out. And I just I just feel like the stars didn't align for LSU to recover from that. And he gets the chance now where, where he's got that opportunity to play
2: for probably where he really wanted to play. I think, too, Aaron Anderson can compete right away in the receiver room, which is key. I mean, yes, he can compete in the return game with the guys, whomever else they have back there. They, they want to kind of look at it as a punt returner. But you need to have that punt returner also, if you're taking them as a transfer, also really bring you value at an actual position. And I think in the receiver room, as a slot guy, he could play. So mm-hmm. I like – I like this fit. I I would be surprised if it was not LSU.
1: Yeah. And they, I think to Billy's point, kind of to your point too, is they're allowed this year a lot more. um, They're allowed to be patient. They uh, can be more selective. They don't have to jump at the first thing that comes in the portal. Um, And I think this would be, this would be a massive pickup. I mean, five, nine, and obviously you watch his tape from high school. It's, jumps off the screen as far as return man as far as the speed with the ball in his hands there's a reason he was you know basically a top 50 player in the country uh in that class and so those are the type of players i think we're starting to see a little bit of a shift to where um to going into this year where it's all right we're taking from the high major transfer portal you know um, pond more so so you're not going to see the colby fields types of type of additions to back fill uh type of depth now maybe you do say that defensive back maybe late but even then i would be kind of surprised if they filled out of desperation you're kind of filling more out of this guy was a top 50 player only spent one year at his location so he still has multiple years of eligibility you take him just like denver harris it's kind of the same situation there that's that is ideally what lsu will use the portal for i think is to uh to get these types of players at, I don't think it's a position of need, but I mean, punt return is definitely a position of need, but a receiver, you know, you can kind of work him in there, but he is definitely good enough to contribute uh, immediately. Yeah. I think um, with
0: Aaron Anderson, there's going to be some some good takes out there on the board, first of all, from when he left for, for Alabama. Um, and, and that's, I was, I I kind of enjoy some of those that fire some of those back up. Um, We won't bump them, but uh, I'm sure there are some good ones out there. And I think, you know, Matt, you made a great point. I mean, he was just electric in high school and I saw him at the under armor camp in the spring uh, before his senior year, before he signed. Um, And he was, he was terrific. I mean, he's really, really explosive. Um, Really one of those players that, yeah, he's five, nine ish, but, I mean, he's just in today's day and age of college football, you got to have a gadget guy. And I think he's your gadget guy um, and he can, you know, create some different mismatches. You maybe get him uh, the ball. If the LSU plays with a little bit more tempo this year, maybe he's out on the field and, you know, they're going five wide and he just comes in the backfield real quick and you give him a handoff, try to hit him with a quick pop. Um, and so he just brings a lot to the table. And I think he's one of those players that he's just, he's just special when he's healthy. So I think this is a no brainer for LSU to take him and, uh, you upgrade your return game
1: as well. Yeah. Because I mean, they didn't really have, they don't have a receiver like him on the roster. I mean, Chris Hilton's fast, but he's six foot tall and whatever. And then you got Butte, neighbors, Thomas, Lacey, who are all outside receivers, but Besh is gone uh, from, you know, kind of a slot guy. So, um, and Malik can move inside if he needs to. But overall, I think this is like, this is, he gives them something that they didn't have last year um as far as like you said a gadget guy and that's so valuable you look at every team in the country and how you have guys that like you said can come across in jet sweep can line up in the backfield can do a lot of different things return kicks most importantly for this team though um so yeah i would i would be very very uh, excited if aaron anderson um chooses lsu
0: all right, so we'll continue to monitor both those guys. Uh, they are not expected, as Shay said, to make a decision anytime soon. We'll be monitoring that um, in, in terms of their timelines, and you know, maybe you know, in Aaron Anderson's case, when he ends up popping uh, into campus for for some more meetings and things like that. But two guys that'll be on campus this weekend: Oregon transfer edge Braden Swinson will be on campus for an official visit, as well as Arizona transfer defensive lineman Paris Shand. Uh, both picked up offers this month. Both are on the defensive line at key positions of need um, and both have uh, existing relationships with LSU staffers. So, look, let's let's start with Braden Swinson, uh, somebody that knows Jamar Cain from his recruitment. He spent three seasons at Oregon, notched 35 tackles, five and a half tackles for loss, three sacks, three pass breakups and a forced fumble. This year, he had eight tackles and one and a half tackles for loss. He'll have two seasons of eligibility remaining. He has three years overall to play. He's originally from Douglasville, Georgia. He was a three-star prospect. Look, this is somebody that looks like he's trying to get maybe back toward uh, the South, play a little closer to home. I mean, that is literally outside of Florida to Oregon. That is about as far as you can get uh, from home for him. So maybe getting back to the South, playing for somebody that he's got a relationship with already. Uh this seems to be one where from what we've heard, LSU sits in a really good spot for.
2: Yeah, I think too, you just look at BJ O going to the NFL draft, you lose your starting edge rusher. We saw him really carry everything at the spot for him this year. Uh Xavier Carter and Desmond Little were the other two guys they had, you know, kind of plugged in there during camp. And then a little bit during the season, Desmond Little ends up uh was it little inner little inner the transfer portal they still have Xavier Carter huh yeah I think so correct yes okay so you just don't have much edge depth and yes you have a bunch of edges committed and Deshaun Womack is a five-star and the heir apparent to B.J. Ojalary but even with Harold Perkins we saw that it went from special teams work early in the season to like some edge work to then like a more, you know, bigger established role at linebacker. You can't expect Womack to just come right away and be like, okay, he's going to start every game and it won't be an issue. Um, I see this as a offer that can play into a, it gives you a little bit of depth B it helps kind of bide time to get guys like Womack or these, these younger guys ready. And um, I don't mind it. We, you talk about, offering guys that may not be starters, but could give you depth. I think that the D line is certainly a spot where uh, D line and corner where that could happen. We could see that uh, play out. And the reality is this we're about to mention another kid, Paris Shand who out of Arizona a defensive lineman on his visit this weekend, the guys outside of like Aaron Anderson and Denver Harris, like national guys have claimed offers Braden fist, the Western mission guy we've heard nothing about. And he's been in the portal for like, Almost a month now. He went in before the portal even opened because he's a grad student. Uh, Swinson, they offered. He's in town this weekend. That's who we're talking about right now. Josiah Stewart, the Coastal Carolina D lineman who is uber productive, uh, has already cut LSU and he's down to two teams. Uh, Keon Bars, a D lineman out of Arizona as well, just committed to Southern Cal. Uh, Kyle Morlock, the tight end that they offered, is committed to Florida State. So dominoes have dropped with pretty much every kid they've offered minus the two kids they have on campus this weekend. So you kind of have to play the waiting game here as more names enter the portal, potentially after bowl games and stuff like that. But I'm interested to see where things go with guys like Swenson. And we can talk about Paris Shand and Arizona defensive lineman that they offered as well. Who's going to be on campus with him. Um, it'll be interesting to see because beyond those guys, they don't really have many other offers out there right now.
1: Go ahead, Billy.
0: So, LSU plays Purdue in the Citrus Bowl, right? Mm-hmm.
1: So I got Brian
0: Kerrigan. Whatever here. is
2: left of Purdue's team. Right? Yeah,
0: whatever is left of Purdue. I Ryan thought the Kerrigan-
2: Ryan Kerrigan jersey was just a subtle D line joke. You were, bringing yeah. On to us. Ryan
0: Kerrigan might might be suiting up as as is Drew Brees. Might be actually playing, coming off the bench for Purdue in this one. And then I believe per- Paris is actually from Canada. So here we oh. are. Canadian <laughs> jersey of the, Drew Doughty, so the subtle, Doughty national jersey, subtle uh, yet uh, big references,
2: I guess to uh, relevant topics.
0: Yeah, so Paris are Smith, those
2: both signed too, Billy? Are we rocking multiple signed jerseys? They are. Yeah, yeah. Billy does I, not play I, worked
0: for, I worked for years for the Redskins in ops, and actually uh, went to a Kenny Chesney concert with Kerrigan. That was that was a good time. Uh, and then Doughty, um, one of my dad's buddies, uh, was the director of scouting with the Kings, so. Uh, he picked up that jersey one of the years uh, that they won the cup. So okay. anyway, uh, oh. back to Parishan, Toronto native. Uh, he's coming in this weekend for that official visit. Um, originally from the Loomis School uh, in Connecticut, uh, just played his sophomore season with the Wildcats. He had nine games with seven starts. This year was a career high, 39 tackles, four and a half tackles for loss, four sacks, four uh, forced two fumbles, and recovered one. Two years of eligibility remaining for him. I think as you kind of dive into looking at him, I'm a little bit higher on him than, than I think maybe the board might be. If you if you could stretch out his production across 12 games, and that was a bad Arizona team, I believe. So yes. um, maybe with a fresh start and, again, kind of playing with a familiar face, I think Brian Polian uh, has a connection to him. He seems to recruit the Loomis school up there a good bit uh maybe he he gets a bigger opportunity and is kind of a depth guy behind Mason Smith and Makai Wingo and who knows you know um maybe Jaqueline Roy comes back i don't think he does but um they're and they're going to Guillory. be
2: you got there Guillory
0: will be there as well and Quincy Wiggins could pop inside but you know Paris Shand if he can give you 20 solid snaps a game that's
1: that's pretty good well yeah they need they need it uh, after this past year where um, I think it was Leah Van from the Advocate did the did the re- did the research and said that uh, what was it Quell Roy and Makai Wingo were like two of the most played defensive players in the country this wow. past year. Um, they they just didn't have any depth, and the question is also, you know, if how good do these players need to be in order to be played? Because you know there were options on the defensive line. It's not like they were there were zero. Now obviously they weren't um high level options whether you go to like Tiggy hill or bryce langston or whatnot but there were people they could have put in and they just you know they were like no we're just gonna play these two the entire game so i i'm interested because yeah you get uh whether it's swenson um and shand as two transfers from high high major pro- programs do they, how good are they and how good do they need to be in order to break into the rotation and how much does Jamar Cain look at this offseason? and be like, we have to build a rotation. We can't have these two guys playing the entire season or else it'll look like it did this year where you get to A&M at the second to last game of the year and, or the last game of the year and say, oh, we just don't have it. Like we just don't have it anymore. And that's, that's why it's so important that this defense line, not only adds depth, but adds quality depth because, um, I think they've made it pretty clear. If you're not good, they're not going to play you. They will just play the two guys um, that they need.
0: Yeah, you're right. And Look, I mean, we'll see how it goes with these two official visitors uh, this weekend. Shay and I covered on the recruiting podcast the the official visitors on the high school front. Uh, be sure to uh, tune in to the Bengal wow. Tiger all weekend. Tons of tidbits to come. A dollar gets you a full year of the Bengal Tiger. So you get covered yeah. pretty much all the way. Uh, through the early signing really period cool. next year And you'll get that hat
1: yes. Fun fact,
0: we had over 50 hat orders just yesterday uh, For the Founders Club hat So wow. pretty impressive run People are taking them off our shelves They will not last forever And so get your subscription today Help us hit that 4K mark on subscribers Also yep. mash that subscriber button uh, on our YouTube channel as well Big news, we did secure our first podcast sponsor. So stay tuned wow. for more information on that. Uh, lots to come with that new partnership that we're excited about. If you're interested, reach out. Uh, it's not as bad at the, for the old pocketbook as you might think. So um, think about that
1: as an option too if you want to uh, sponsor a podcast episode. Maddie B. Last thing, uh, for those who don't know uh, and haven't ordered your hats yet, Ah, uh, Billy actually has had all two thousand hats in his house, and uh, was just begging people to take them. So please order them, so Billy can get into his new house. And, I sweat uh, so much, I, I probably could go through all the the two thousand of them myself, though. All the shelves do it, and then secondly was ah, uh, so I guess we're doing this portal podcast on uh, Christmas Eve. Is that <laughs> 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 no, twenty third? I think,
0: in the words of Friends, we might we might have to pivot a little bit. Uh, on that timing, so we will have kind of a interesting podcast schedule next week. I think we're going to be definitely all recruiting for the most part. Um, yes. I think Shay and I discussed doing a special Monday edition of the podcast uh, yes. to preview early signing period. Maybe it's all three of us. I don't know. Maybe we get other people involved. Um, and then the the early signing period starts December twenty first. Um, that Wednesday runs through that Friday. Uh, the run for these coaches is, is almost over. They get a little bit of a break um, and then get back to, you know, getting ready uh, to play Purdue in that Citrus Bowl on, on January 2nd.
2: I will add before we wrap up to uh, the Parish Shand kid uh, that we were talking about out of Arizona. Last weekend, he was at Rutgers. He's just leaving Oxford. Um, hashtag transfer to the SIP. Uh, <laughs> and if so... He's making a wave of visits here, so it'll be interesting to see how he thinks LSU stacks up compared to kind of the other trips he's made.
0: Yeah, that'll be a big, big one. Uh, We'll see kind of where he goes. And, And for those wondering, and I'm pretty sure this is true, the transfer guys still have the very same recruiting calendar that the regular high school recruits have. So it does go quiet on Sunday, so they can only host players on campus. Uh, starting Sunday, and then it's totally dead starting Monday, I think through the national championship game or the, the Monday after that. Um, so this is that last push. Otherwise, players are going to have to come through on unofficial visits themselves. Um, coaches are going to have to work the phones while some of these guys make their decisions. They can sign paperwork, I believe, um, and, and sign financial aid agreements or sign an NIL, or, uh, NIL. They can do that as well, but they can also sa- sign some sort of NLI um you know that's similar for transfers to to get locked in as well
2: i do want to add one thing before we close out um i was reminded of this this morning when talking to somebody you only have this for we talk about like the 45-day window the 45-day window is for a transfer portal is only to enter your name into the portal so on like january 18th or whatever like when the 45-day window ends there's going to be a lot of kids in the portal who do not committed somewhere yet and they can still be recruited. You can still talk to them. You can still bring them in for visits. All of that stuff. We'll see a lot of guys who will probably enter after bowl season, but not be immediately like spring guys. Like remember Noah Kane finished at Penn State, like Jay Bramplett finished at Notre Dame. Like, So I was reminded that the 45-day window is only to enter your name, not that's when all the recruiting has to happen. So the portal will be dragging out long beyond – January, whatever it is, 15th, 18th. So you're saying the the
0: Friday Portal podcast is uh all year thing now? Basically. It will have yeah, life. Okay, cool. cool, just want to TVD live.
1: <laughs> Did it?
0: Well, it's uh it's been a fun one, it's been a long one. So we're gonna close it out. Um, any last thoughts? No, don't think so. Guys, no. thanks for being here. Everybody out there, thanks for listening. For shay Dixon and Matthew Bruni. I'm Billy Ambody. This has been another edition of the Bengal Tiger Transfer Portal Podcast. Uh, we will catch you guys next week at some point as uh, we will be pretty much all about the early signing period uh, with LSU looking to close out on some key prospects. So stay tuned, hit the subscribe button, subscribe to the thebangletiger.com for a dollar for a full year, get your Founders Club hat, and we will catch you guys next week with plenty more coverage on the Bengal Tiger Podcast. Thanks for listening.